It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 201, recorded on Monday the 21st of March 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and as always, I will be joined by some notable WordPress guests. Today, we have Michelle Frechette, we also have Rob Cairns, and also for the first time, Chris Wigman. We're here, as always, to talk about WordPress, and we cover quite a lot of ground this week. First off, we're talking about an article on WP Tavern about the ability to export all of your WordPress block themes. Does it work? Newfold Digital has acquired Yith. If you're into WooCommerce, this might be important to you. Do we need thousands and thousands of block-based themes in the era of full-site editing, or would just one be enough? Transitioning away from Yoast. Yoast Volk is finally stepping down, mostly from the company he founded many years ago, and we get into that discussion. Give WP have a new standalone plugin for Stripe. Chris Coyer has decided it's time to move on from CSS Tricks, and he's given that over to DigitalOcean. The Page Builder Summit is coming around for version 4.0. It's now time to register your interest should you wish to attend. Cloudflare have got a new firewall, and we talk about flat, flat pack heaters. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by Cloudways. Cloudways provides the ultimate managed WordPress and WooCommerce hosting solutions. Easy setup allows you to get started in minutes. Focus on your business and say goodbye to hassles. Get started with our three-day free trial to enjoy unmatched performance, superb uptime, and 24-7 active support. Find out more at cloudways.com. Com. Hello, 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 hello. Nice to have you with us again if you're joining us live. It's very, very nice to see you. If not, like the majority of our audience, I hope you're going to enjoy the next hour and a half. We're going to talk about WordPress. We talk about WordPress incessantly on this show. It's called This Week in WordPress. We're on episode 201. And I'm joined by three fine people, one of whom is brand new to our show. For reasons I cannot explain, I keep my cursor keeps disappearing off my screen. I have no idea why that is, but it's gonna make it's gonna make for absolute havoc during I, this show. I blame Wigman. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. He's taking that. Um, okay, so very, very quickly. First up, we've got um we've got lots of lovely guests, but I'll I'll begin with Michelle Frechette, if that's all right. Michelle Frechette, who's one of the co-hosts, joining us yeah. probably for like the four millionth time. I really appreciate it, Michelle. That's really kind of you to devote your time I, like this. I was sad I missed the two hundredth last week where everybody got to like ah Yeah, there was a lot of there's a lot of yes, <laughs> just stupidity is the word. Uh, childish. Two hundred and one is a little anticlimactic. I know, I know. We're not, really, we're not really celebrating it too much, are we? But um, I'm going to introduce you, Michelle. Michelle Frechette is the director of community engagement for Stella WP at Liquid Web. In addition to her work at Stella, Michelle is the podcast barista at WPCoffeeTalk.com. She's the co-founder of Underrepresented in Tech, creator of WPCareerPages.com. The president of the board for BigOrangeHeart.org, director of community relations and contributor at PostStatus.com, author, business coach, and frequent organizer, and speaker at WordPress events. She lives in Rochester, New York, where she's an avid nature photographer. I have seen the photos. And you can find out more at meetmichelle.com. 
dot online. I think Michelle, that at some point you ought to run for president. <laughs> oh my god, I would Miss never president. Want Miss <laughs> president. Is that a thing? Is it a thing? Is president not just no. the word? Um, they, well, they, they always say like, um, you know, Madam President or oh, that kind okay. of thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. But anyway, so, there's Michelle with the, with the list as long as you're on. Very nice to have you with us once more. Thanks so much. It's good to be here. Thank you. We'll also go for Rob Cairns, who's, who's given us a much more pithy, uh, version. So uh, Rob, feel free to add anything that I miss out, but Rob Cairns runs a digital agency in Toronto, stunning digital marketing. And he is also the producer of the SDM podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. You've reached a milestone recently. Yeah, we, we've. I passed uh, episode 200. And interesting enough, we're getting together on Thursday with Bob Dunn, who beat both Nathan and I to 200, myself and Nathan Wrigley. And we're going to talk about what it's like to produce 200 podcast episodes. So that I, should be I, fun. I wrote you an email shortly after that to yes. say, actually, there's, I've done a few more than 200, but of this show, 200, yeah. definitely, the last week. And Chris, I am so sorry, because normally I would ask the guests prior to their starting how to pronounce their surname. And I, I heard Michelle pronounce it in a way that I wasn't about to. So Chris, would you just tell us your name and I'll take it from there. Chris Wigman. Wigman. Okay, I was going to say Weigman, but sorry. Okay, so Chris Wigman is an end. He's the engineering manager on the Faust.js team at WP Engine, and has been working with WordPress for over a decade. During that time, he's built one of the largest WordPress security plugins, as well as various plugins and themes for clients of all sizes, Google Chrome extensions, and even WordPress development environments. He's a teacher at heart. Chris has spoken at numerous WordCamps and other conferences as well as taught both computer science and aviation for universities throughout the U.S. Right, there's just so much going on there that I want to delve into. Can I go for the aviation bit first? What? What? My first career, well, actually, second career was a professional pilot. I was an airline captain and flight instructor for, for about a decade before switching into tech. Don't you love it when you meet people who are just prodigiously good at multiple things, just like you? <laughs> oh, I just did a bit of flying for a while, you know. <laughs> I just decided to switch Is it up. Good or <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really good. I love it when I meet people who've just got a real backlog, especially like that's a real flip going from like aviation to software development. Maybe it's not. Not really. I mean, it's kind of most flying these days is basically programming. <laughs> GPS boxes and avionics. Yeah. yeah, good point. But now you're over at WP Engine, the engineering manager there. What, what, or at least for the Faust JS team, what, what does that involve mm -hmm. typically in your your working week? Uh, lately, we're. I just took this role in December. We're a team of four trying to get a fifth. I got one more rec open that we're hiring for. Uh, building Faust.js, which is a JavaScript library to connect headless WordPress. So think of it as a. Uh, a framework, kind of like maybe Genesis, you might consider a framework for tra traditional themes. You can consider this kind of a framework for building out a headless site. Easy ways to connect back to WordPress, very predictable APIs, you know, the whole gambit in order to make headless development as easy as hopefully building a traditional theme was. And it looks like you've been on um, Michelle's podcast because 
There it is. If you want to find out more about Chris, we, we talked a lot about the pilot thing. So if you're yeah, that's that like that's that. straight away got me. It's like my dream was to be a pilot, Ooh. and then I kind of realized I would you're just really not but cut out for that kind of thing. <laughs> my, my favorite part of that whole episode, though, is the question where I ask, "What's the biggest mistake you've ever made in WordPress, and what did you learn from it?" And I'm going to misquote exactly what Chris said, but something like, "I once deleted twenty three thousand websites." In a single oh. <laughs> oh, 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 I deleted. They just went down. They were still there. <laughs> I knew uh, I was quoted, but yeah, um, yeah the, I was like, wait, 23? No, 23,000. That was an ouch. Yeah, one of the finer points. Yeah. So that's at wpcoffeetalk.com forward slash podcast forward, forward slash Chris. Say it again. Wigman. Like Why can't I get that in my head? Wigman. Okay, Wigman. It's the it's the rogue E there that's getting me. Uh, so there you go. WP Cafe t- Coffee Talk podcast episode all about that. Let's get stuck into the meat and the potatoes of this episode. We are, of course, here talking about WordPress. This is our website, wpbuilds.com. If you fancy subscribing so that you keep updated, fill out that little box. We don't spam you with anything other than just the content that we produce. So you can be you can be safe in that. We are actually, I'm just going to highlight this. Last week, we started a competition, which if you want to enter it, it's totally free just to celebrate our 200th episode of this show. Uh, The lovely Yoast, the lovely Stella WP, the lovely Cat, and the lovely Cadence WP, uh, they offered up some prizes. Quite a few people have entered. We've certainly got more entries so far than we have prizes but nevertheless if you fancy winning either any of the prizes that you can see on the screen just fill out this little form um and we won't spamming you you know we won't add you to our list or anything unless you tick the box that you wish to be subscribed but just fill out your name give us your email address and i'll delete all of those the moment i've contacted all the winners but that's going for another one day and nine hours if you fancy entering that so thank you to yoast stella wp and Cadence WP. I really appreciate it. And last little plug from me before we begin is to say that I'm doing a show this, well, eight days time with Peach and Eri. We do our monthly URUX thing and she's looking for some websites. So if you are listening to this and you've got a website which is half finished, completely finished, but you've got some doubts about it or you just want somebody like Peach to cast their eye over it from a URUX perspective, feel free to go to wpbuilds.com forward slash UI. Fill out the form and we'll add you into the show and she'll give you some free, interesting information, which may help, hopefully. Also, if you've got any dark patterns that you've noticed on the internet, she's really keen to expose those. So there's a there's a part on the form there where you can drop in your dark patterns. And uh, we found quite some quite interesting ones. I found one in the WordPress plugin space just the other day, and it was uh, it was a bit of a humdinger, but... I'm naming no names. Okay, uh, what else have we got to say before the show begins? Probably not a lot. Let's just see if there's any comments. Sometimes there is. Hello, I'm guessing this is Todd. I've got some tunes going on waiting. Rob forgot to tell you we're almost ready. So I'm guessing Copy Flight, that's going to be Todd E. Jones, I imagine. That is um, yep. Yeah, what's this? I don't really follow that. I think that's probably some spam. Would you imagine that's spam? Anything that comes through on Twitch <laughs> is basically spam. But thank you for joining us, Todd. If anybody does want to make a comment, feel free to do that. But there are a few little gotchas if you're on the Facebook side of things. Um, basically, Facebook won't allow us to have your avatar or your um, name, which is fine. You'll just come across as anonymous. We won't know who you are. But if you do want to, on the Facebook side, 
you want us to see who you are, then go to chat.restream.io forward slash FB, chat.restream.io forward slash FB, and then we'll know who you are. Great. Okay, a couple of things to go through. We've got quite a lot of WordPressy stuff and then a few bits and interesting pieces uh, towards the end of the show. Why is that comment still on the screen? Let me press that once again. That was my mouse disappearing on me again. First piece up is WP Tavern. Justin Tadlock, 14th of March, was writing all about the dream of exporting WordPress block themes from the site editor is close to reality. Justin, I think from reading this piece, he's been desiring the ability to be able to export a theme, take it over, chuck it on any other WordPress website, and it just behave exactly like it used to on the previous website. And he seems to think that the that this is almost a reality. There's a, there's a few little gotchas at the, at the bottom where he explains how it's not going to happen and why certain things don't happen. But essentially, he thinks this is now going to be a possibility. It spits out a, a .zip file, which you can use, take it somewhere else and install it. It's the beginning of a journey, the beginnings of this being able to happen. I, for one, would kind of like to have a theme set up, and we'll talk about a base theme and all of that sort of stuff in a moment. But I do like the idea of having something. I've built about three or four sites over the last six weeks, and more or less all of them follow the exact same pattern. And it would be really nice if there was a real simple little way to go through this export things and take it to another site. So there's my little preamble. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Rob, Chris, and Michelle, and they can have a bonfire about what they think about this. Whoever wants to interrupt first gets to I speak will. first. <laughs> jump. The, the problem with exporting block themes is you're assuming when you do the import, whoever's building the website has the same plugins and the same block add-ons installed, and that's going to cause a problem. So, for example, when I develop block stuff, I'm all in with Cadence. And I typically run editor plus by Extendify. So if you export my stuff from re-importing, you're assuming you're running Cadence and Extendify. So that's where some of the issues are going to come into play, I think. Thank you. Anybody else? Welcome. I would agree with that. I mean, that, that you know, I, I realize we're trying quickly to become a no-code platform for all the WordPress, but this is, you know, the 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 weaknesses with no code was everything the the feature sets were limited with an unlimited feature set to replicate that experience is going to be next it, it's never going to really work i mean you you're going to get close but unless you're exporting entire sites just the theme is is going to be problematic yeah um justin talks about the fact that there's um you know, the idea is to have thousands and thousands of these different themes and imagine the permutation. I mean, literally an infinite number of different permutations on the back end, different blocks, different patterns, different plugins, all sorts of different things. It's it's curious, yeah. though, that he came out very optimistic about this because he has been dreaming about this for the for the longest time. And, and he seems to be confident that it went it went well in the in the sort of tail end of the article. He does he just starts to dwell on the things that didn't go quite so well but i just thought it was it, it's just another step to the like you say the no code solution the fact that hopefully if people are just managing their own wordpress websites and they've got everything set up in exactly the same way across five or six different locations they can just do this trivially and and it'll be easier than it ever was yeah it's interesting have you got anything on this michelle i just i mean 
it just goes against everything that I ever think about as far as design work, because I don't want to replicate things across sites like that. I, I want every site to be unique and different. And that's why I think the blocks are fascinating because I can not have things replicated between different sites. So, I mean, I understand that it's fascinating and it's fun and there's different things we can do, but, you know, at the heart of design is not having every site look like every other site that I built. I do a podcast episode every couple of weeks with David Wormsley. And one of the things that we've talked about on, on numerous occasions is the fact that he has a starter site, which he updates so that the version of WordPress is up to date and the, the, the plugins that he's using are all updated. And then he exports that and begins his work. I have completely opposite approach. Every time I install WordPress, I start with core, just install core, and then I do everything that I need for that one website. So I literally go and sock up the latest version of the plugin, probably download it from the website. And so I, I do it all. It takes me like 40 minutes and it's 40 minutes of dead time, really. I could do that better, but I just take the view, like you said, Michelle, maybe this plugin doesn't need to be on this site. And this, you know, it's going to be a five-page brochure site. Why does it need this, that, and the other clever thing? Um, and I, I actually find that's quite interesting because I discover things quite often because I'm playing around with plugins and I suddenly see the settings screen for the first time in six months and so on. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. Well, it just allows more design, right? Yep. So if, and the idea of putting a, whether you're building a site for yourself or for a client is that you're giving them some yourself or them something new and something that has a, you know, if, if I'm, somebody's paying me to build a website. I'm not replicating a site I already did and just shoving yeah. their information in it. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, okay, let's move to the next story because it actually it dovetails pretty nicely with that. So we're staying with the tavern actually for the next couple of pieces. This is again Justin a couple of days earlier on the 11th of March. He wrote a piece um, called "Does WordPress Need Thousands of Block Themes in the Era of Full Site Editing?" So a little while ago, Matt Mullenweg. Uh, expressed the desire that I think he said 5,000. Certainly that's what's referenced in the article, that we'd have 5,000 full site editing word, editing WordPress themes in the theme directory. Now, not everybody seems to agree with this. Notably, um, it looks like Daniel Schultzsmith, who is often actually watching this show, he says, and I'll quote, I'm just not seeing the need for more than one theme for FSE as long as I can override the look of it. I uh, would appreciate someone explaining why one theme, like, and he mentions Brian Gardner's Frost, couldn't just be the standard. Um, making more themes feel feels like it de defeats the concept of full-site editing altogether. This seems to be piggybacking off something which Rich Tabor, I'm sure we've all heard of Rich Tabor, uh, he's now with Extendify, said when he was saying in 2019, can we just have a WordPress sort of like base theme which comes installed that doesn't, I'm guessing he's saying that doesn't really change over time, that is block capable, and everybody just builds everything off there. And of course, Justin then goes on to say, actually, wait a minute, themes are really useful for people who are non-technical, and a lot of people using WordPress just go out and find a theme which seems to suit whatever they want. I don't know, they're a lawyer or something, and they go and find a lawyer's theme. And whilst for the likes of us, we'd probably be a bit like snotty about that and think, actually, no, you shouldn't be downloading a theme with all the bells and whistles built into it. Go and build it up. Actually, no, 
a lot of people are going to be using WordPress and are quite happy with that approach. If it spits out what they want and they've found it and it works for them, then, of course, this approach um, is, you know, theming and lots and lots of different themes, all with different options, seems to be fine. So I'm going to chuck that one out there. What do you reckon? What's the future? Do we need one WordPress theme for full site editing or should we still have hundreds, possibly multiple thousands I'm going to jump would, in on this one. Sorry, Rob. You're going to have to wait on this because I have an opinion. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think it goes back to that whole democratizing publishing and the fact that you have users at every level and you have users that have no idea what code is. And if you ask them to change the color of something with CSS, would have no clue what you're talking about. And then you have people who say, I just theme it myself from the from the, the base up and everything in between. And I think that that's where this kind of thing comes in, right? So maybe you don't need 5,000 different themes, but that doesn't mean other people won't be able to use those and jump in and be able to start something, um, you know, fresh. And so it, it goes against kind of what I said before, right? That I don't want to replicate all these things. But if I am a dentist and I'm building my own website because I just graduated dental school and I have, you know, $500,000 worth of debt, and I'm just like bootstrapping in. At least I'm not using Wix, right? I'm like coming yep. in and picking a theme that's made made for dentistry, and I can kind of start to fill in the blanks. So I think that there's something for everybody. I think that's Sorry, a really Bob. good point. No, no, that's fine. I <laughs> confess okay. when I when I first came to WordPress, I was I did find my way into places like Theme Forest and those theme houses. Mm -hmm. And I quickly learned that that wasn't actually of any benefit to me because I spent more time taking things out than putting, than actually making use of anything that was there. But the fact is they sell really well. And I'm imagining that a certain proportion of the people are, will be entirely happy with it. You know, it does what they need right off the bat. And so long as it's updated and what have you. Um, yeah. OK, thank you, Rob. Sounded like you needed to get in there as well. Well, Michelle kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I still heartedly agree. As, as we try and democratize publishing, we need to give people choice. And if we want to keep out of an, into a no-code environment, which a lot of people seem to want, that even means more choice. And any argument's going to be, by the way, if we only one, need one theme, do we only need one plugin? And the argument goes on and on. So the one cool thing about open source is by using themes and plugins, we can customize our websites the way we want. So it's a time saver. So if people want to put 3,000 themes out there, I'm good with it. Like choose the one you want, but give people the choice. That's the key. What, what do you feel about the argument, Rob, that we can, you know, the, the principle being that it's, once you've got the base framework, you could use blocks and block patterns and use yeah. the pattern directory to build up almost anything from a limit, an unlimited arrangement of blocks and block patterns. Um, so in that way, you've, you've, I guess you've got to try a little bit harder and build things mm -hmm. one step at a time, as opposed to downloading a theme where all the pages are created for you and all the different custom post types are made and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I can see your point, but it's going to be more work, isn't it? There'll be a lot more learning for the dentist to yeah. do and, if and they and had to build it from patterns. And even in block patterns, Nathan, like I've played in the block pattern libraries. There's a lot of choice out there. So, you know, the work isn't going to disappear, frankly. I mean, once you once you go down that pattern rabbit hole, you can be down it for days if you don't be careful. And, you know, I've been there when I redesigned my site and moved to Box. So, you know, the rabbit hole's not going to go away. So you're going to move it from point A to point B, but you still got to give the choice. And that's, yeah. and that's my whole thing. So. Yeah. 
What do you reckon, Chris? Nathan's hair, Nathan's hair was short before he went down that rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had no hair. And now I look at right. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? For in, in my world, in my experience, it's all largely irrelevant. The whole idea of block patterns and stuff like that. I'm talking about large multi-sites for enterprise-level sites. You know, sites that are the database might hit 50, 60 gig, tens of thousands of users, thousands of editors. Things like block patterns, things like exporting themes, not only are those not applicable to those sites, but they're downright detrimental because you wind up breaking brand guide at a minimum, let's just say brand guidelines. You know, we, we can focus on that one. Given all that much power, you don't want all those editors to have that because the whole purpose of WordPress is to manage the content, not for a thousand people to go out and manage, it, manage their own designs. So the idea of that many themes and, and themes to be that editable just don't apply in the world I've always built in. You know, three out of six my, of my WordPress jobs have all been universities. And then two of the others have been uh, big hosts that are doing, not hosts, big agent, like agencies that are doing enterprise level sites. Yeah. So that yeah. type of, you know, these, every WordPress is only made for pers one person doing their own site. That's never been the world I've been involved in. So That's to me, the, the whole feature set's kind of, just mood. Yeah. Oh, nice. You get a pass on that question. <laughs> totally great. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I don't know which way it'll go. Apparently, there are about 300 block-based themes out there at the moment, and I, I know that the intention was for there to be many more. Is did I Have I give, given the right number there? Justin certainly mentions it, but the intention is to have a lot more by the end of the year. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, next one, then is some acquisition news. We haven't actually had, there was a period about six months ago where we never had any news other than acquisition news. And we seem to have had a little bit of a breather from acquisition news, um, but no, it's back. 17th of March, again on WP Tavern, but you could have found this in multiple different places. This is to say that Newfold Digital, which is the parent company of Bluehost. I, I confess, apart from Apart from the fact that I heard that Newfold Digital had bought Yoast, I I have no idea who Newfold Digital are. I've heard of Bluehost, I've heard of Yoast, I've heard of Yith in this case that we're talking about, but I haven't heard of Newfold Digital. So maybe it's just like a parent company that doesn't actually do much apart from have other companies, but maybe one of you can enlighten me about that in a minute. It's the but they've EIG. bought. It's the is... EIG. Yeah. Okay, it's so EI... that's... It's EIG rebranded. So Newfold EIG, that brand that we all know and love um <laughs> has been has been just it's a simple name change is it they just became newfold digital i got it okay thank you so Correct. much um okay so this week they acquired uh, a wordpress plugin called yith if you're in the woocommerce space i'm sure you've heard of them they've got over a hundred woocommerce extensions i mean literally an extension mm -hmm. for just everything in in the WooCommerce side of things, you know, you name it, they had built it. They have more than 2.3 million active installations across the product suite. I don't know how much of that is on the premium side and how much is on the free side. They've got 31 plugins on .org, so presumably those 31 will make up a fair, fair proportion, but they're the light versions, Justin says. Um, and they're the the wish the WooCommerce wishlist plugin, which looks like the the sort of flagship for that company, is um, downloaded and in use, activated on over nine hundred thousand WordPress websites. 
Um, we've got the usual talk from the founder. The founder's called Nando Papalado. Apologies, Nando, if I've butchered your surname there. Um, it's, the, it's the normal thing. The acquisition of Yoast and Yith last year are part of a long-term strategy. This is actually coming from Ed J from Newfold Digital to provide the best solutions to our WordPress customers and future our expertise. Essentially, everybody's moving over. If you work for Yith, you are now working um, for Newfold Digital. I have no idea what this is going to mean. It does... Michelle, you've probably got something to add to this. Stella WP, who you are closely associated with, they seem to be making a big play in the WooCommerce space. So I don't know if this is of interest or concern. What? I don't know if Stella WP were actually in cahoots to try and get this or if it was, you know, any anything like that going on. But again, opening it up, is this good? Is this bad? No idea. You know, I have... I have opinions about um, acquisitions, and that is that w my theory is we are still a relatively young um, industry, right? So we're not even 20 years as WordPress yet. And I know that technology moves quickly, but industries in general don't. And it's, it hasn't been that long since we've been monetizing by selling plugins and selling themes, and that's been ramping up. And we've reached a certain point, this like critical tipping point, where companies get so big that either the owner needs help to manage them and so either takes on partners or goes into a merger and acquisition situation or they just it, it fails at some point because they can't manage the growth and so we're at a point now where we're seeing a lot of these plug-in companies need the the more more infrastructure for research and development for ma human resources management and those kinds of things so i think acquisitions that we've been seeing over the past year is a normal part of the growth of our industry. That said, you're going to see more of this happening. So, you know, Stellar WP, yes, we we get we take a lot of ribbing for the fact that like we're trying to take over the WordPress world, which we aren't. Although we do already have Iconic, and so I just want to say that we have. Was it? That our, was the one. Yeah. We, we have our our stake in the WooCommerce world already, but um, you know, but but this is the kind of thing that makes sense in our kind of industry. And we're going to see more people building up. This is my prediction for the next five years. We're going to be more see, see more people building up um, plug-in companies for the purpose of selling them and growing their own, um, you know, whatever they're, they're buying their own islands or um, chartering their own planes. Right, Chris? <laughs> kind of thing. So that's, that's my take on it is that acquisitions are healthy. Mercedes Can I just ask, obviously we, we now know, thank you, Michelle, we now know that EIG has become um, Newfold Digital, so there's a rebrand there. Prior to the fact that they bought Yoast, did they have a big footprint in the WordPress space, do we know? Because I, Yith is probably nowhere near as big a deal, I think, as Yoast. It feels like Yoast was just out of nowhere. But now that they've got these two things, Yoast, which is gigantically big, and now Yith, which is pretty darn big, looking at those numbers, is this is this new for them? You know, six months ago, did had anybody heard of them doing stuff particularly in the WordPress space? Apart from the fact that they're always on the the WordPress.org, you know, favored sponsors page, they seem to have that spot each year. But it, presumably, they're coming in, and this is pretty aggressive buying these two things in just a space of six or so months. Hosting companies it's, are the ones with the money in this industry, right, Chris? Yeah. You guys are hosting too. So and we're the ones that can afford to, to build that. Go ahead. 
I don't know if it's a, if new is the right word. But at forty percent of the internet, these hosts absolutely want to start closing off the open source, open nature of WordPress. That's exactly what we're seeing. The money, all the all the VC money, all the big money is coming channeled through hosts, who can then build silos around the products they're buying, and that's mm. very much what's happening with a lot of these products. Yeah, we're seeing it with GoDaddy too, right? So GoDaddy acquired Pagely in the yep. last six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not a surprise that Newfold has jumped into the e-commerce space with Stellar already there, with GoDaddy already there. You could see almost see Yift up for acquisition train. And I think what we're seeing is I had a long discussion with our friend Paul Lacey six months ago. Yeah, the name comes up again. But that's <laughs> I'm, I've, and, I'm off that now. I'm not, yeah, I'm I know, not calling I know you that you name anymore. And, <laughs> and to give credit to Paul, what we talked about was mergers and acquisitions and how is this good for the industry? Is it not? Does it hurt the small developer? Does it not? I don't think it hurts anybody because I think there's now small developers building theme houses exactly what Michelle and Chris has said to be bought. So I think there's a lot of that going on now. So. We're just in a very curious little community, aren't we, the WordPress folk, though, because there's a lot of people who are putting their time in, let's use the word, philanthropically. They're giving their time for free. I know there's a lot of people, well, not a lot, but there's a proportion of the people who are paid to contribute to WordPress core and all of the other various different parts that make up WordPress documentation and so on. But a lot of people who use WordPress are on that more kind of, um, you know, it's it's open source software. And so I think there's this kind of, there's this divide in the road. Some people see the, 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 the maturation of it and they see in any industry, they things grow and they're acquired and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas I feel there's quite a few people who talk in the background who dislike that modus operandi in WordPress and they don't like the fact that things are coalescing and things are getting bigger. It feels like the opposite of what it once was or what they want the community to be. In, in many ways, they would just like independent plugin owners to exist forever. But if you are, let me just get the guy's name again, uh, Nando from Yith, I guess his primary responsibility is to himself and the family and his co-workers. And if he can exit with a fair amount of money and then go on to do something which perhaps he's desiring to do, well, so be it. And on that, Rob just has decided to, to clear <laughs> off. <laughs> he's he's had enough. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're in a strange community in that sense. You know, if we were to walk down Wall Street and talk to a bunch of um, bankers and investment people, I'm sure they'd say, well, you want about it. this is all good there's no downside to this but wordpress community presents a curious a curious what's selection of people what's the opposite of growth uh right? shrinking stagnation, <laughs> stagnation there's another shrinking there's death, another name for unchecked growth though another name for unchecked growth or something that the criterion is only growth is cancer Ah, interesting. Because I could see, I could see you, Chris. You were nodding your head when I was making that point. I wondered if some of that sort of resonated with you, because you obviously I could sit go in the, through a whole episode on just that. <laughs> yeah, but you, you sit. Okay, so I'm going to make the assumption from what you've all, what you've just said, that you, you sit inside of a very large hosting company, but you also have thoughts on the other side. Because I was also one of the first right? big WordPress acquisitions when I sold better yep. WP security to iThemes, which is now yep. iThemes security. Yep. I, I understand the utility of this stuff, but these silos that are forming are not going to be good for the community at any right. level in the long run. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we will have you back on another episode where we will talk 
only about this because I I am fascinated by it. I I am not clever enough to really understand whether or not ultimately it would would be a good thing or a bad thing. I have my sort of like knee jerk reaction when I see. Well, the the perfect example in my life is something like Amazon, which has only ever been great in terms of what it gives to me. But I'm at the point now where I'm seeing that certain other businesses are sort of going under because they simply can't compete. Amazon's got to that scale where there's just no point in not buying from Amazon to, for certain goods. You know, if it comes in a box and it's going to be delivered, why pay $10 more to have it from the mom and pop store over there? And and I just don't know if we're going to see things like that. We're going to see, you know, giant giant arrangements of plugins acquired by, I don't know, uh, GoDaddy, um, acquired by Stella and what have you. And they put a wall around it. And if you want WooCommerce, you go to Newfold Digital, you go to Stella. Yeah. And if you want, I don't know, if you want a learning management system, you go somewhere else. Um, because they've just got the most compelling feature set for 30 dollars a month or something and i don't know if that's good or bad it just seems to be the way it's going nathan i see where it's going is um big hosting companies are going to say take let's take uh, stellar or new fold as an example they're, they're going to turn around and say to you by the way if you buy a woocommerce platform we'll give you all the yith plugins included in in your purchase and godaddy i know does that on some of the pro side of stuff uh, for WooCommerce managed hosting, they say, if you jump in, we'll give you X number of plugins. And that's where it's going to go. Yeah, so you're yeah. going to get a package deal that includes your hosting, includes your core WordPress, includes most of the plugins. So you're kind of going to look and say, okay, does this web host suit where I'm going? Yes. Does it have the tools I need? Yes. So I'm going there. And that's going to be the decider, I think. I remember when um, GiveWP, who Michelle is obviously deeply connected with still, when they were acquired, you, you presented a really a, a set of arguments which I found really compelling back in the day about all sorts of unexpected benefits of that from the from certainly from your side. You know, it was it was things which hadn't really even occurred to me, like the fact that you were working for a company now which had, I guess, more stability. You had a you had a you know, medical and all of that kind of stuff was was different, and you were you were really pleased with the way that all went. So just oh looking gosh. at it from I'm the so inside, much, it was. I'm so much more provided for now that I'm yeah. a bigger, you know, part yeah. of a bigger company. Uh, but those kind of things never get talked about. Bigger yeah. infrastructure, absolutely. Yeah, actually, I and I've written about it on Postdatas. So there's articles there about um, what happens when you are acquired and how companies should think about the employees um, when that happens and how well I felt taken care of during that acquisition. This and one. then also, yeah. So I just wanted to throw that. I grabbed seven and a half minutes with Matt Mullenweg after state of the word. And we talked about acquisitions and we talked about, um, working within WordPress and what that looked like. So if people are interested in that conversation. I just wanted Ooh. to share that link, but, um, I have a lot to say about <laughs> employment and acquisitions and things like that. Um, that's why I put together the WP career summit in three weeks, uh, time. So make sure that you sign up for that. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of good, it def we definitely, I, I, Chris, I absolutely agree. We'd have to pay attention. We have to make sure that what's happening is not only for the good of the people involved, but the good of, of WordPress um, as a whole, because we don't want unchecked growth, but we would, we definitely want to see strategy and we want to make sure that what's happening makes sense. So from a stellar standpoint, we are very strategic in how we're growing uh, stellar WP and the plugins that we consider adding because what our goal is, is not necessarily, I mean, obviously our goal is to make money. We're a business. I'm not going to sugarcoat that part. But what we really are trying to do is make sure that we have 
the ability to help people stay in WordPress, start in WordPress. WordPress is aging, right? So the, the standard age of somebody using WordPress is only getting older. It's not getting younger. And we want to make sure that, it, that all of the young people who are thinking about um, whether it's going into programming and coding and things like that, or just starting a website, are turning to WordPress as a solution as opposed to some of the alternatives. And what Stellar wants to do is we're going to be starting something later this year to teach people how to do that. And so one of the ways that we can do that is by having the infrastructure in place to be able to help people do that. Well, anyway, if you are one of the two point whatever it was, 2.3 million people who are basing their livelihood um, presumably to some extent on Yith plugins. This is probably going to be really of interest to you. So you can go to wptavern.com and you're looking for this particular piece. It's called Newfold Digital Acquires Yith to expand WooCommerce expertise. Normally, an article like this gets absolutely boatloads of comments. There's normally like dozens and dozens of different comments, people putting different positions about, you know, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. But only two this time, one saying congratulations and saying another one just sort of saying, yes, good company, but they've had lots of problems in the past. Okie doke, let's move it on. Uh, Chris, I hope he's still with us. His camera's gone blank, but uh, let's hope he's still there. Yours went uh, dark Sorry, a minute ago. I don't know that, if that was a... Bye. Thing. Yeah, I had, I had to grab the door. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. That's fine. I just wondered if it was a systemic problem that I was having. No, I'm good. <laughs> no, good, good. Okay, so WordPress.org. This is make.wordpress.org, a block pattern directory. Um, you may know about this. Block patterns are a new, the nice, new, shiny thing in WordPress, the ability to essentially click a button and have some sort of row or collection of blocks just come right into your site there and then. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have a directory of those kind of things? Well, the answer is yes. It's been a little while in the making. There's been some patterns there so far, but they've been limited to, I believe, a collection of, of people who've been asked to contribute those patterns, but no more. The intention of the this piece is to see that it's being open for uh, submissions. The piece is called... Uh, coming soon, block pattern directory submissions. And it, I'll just quote, it says, soon we plan to open the pattern directory to submissions from the public. The pattern creator page will allow designers and content creators to build, edit, and submit their best block patterns to the directory and approved patterns. I guess that's quite an important point. You can't just put your pattern in and assume that it will be go live. Approved patterns will be added to the directory where they will instantly be available to the authors of millions of WordPress sites. So think themes, but only doing one thing on one page. It's just a tiny, tiny part of a visual design. And if you're into creating your own block patterns, you can now start to upload them and hopefully get them accepted. It said it's going to start the middle of this week. Um, so yeah, there's some links in there. This is cool. This is I love this kind of stuff. Because this just opens up. Well, I've been playing with patterns. I haven't really created my own patterns, but I've been playing with patterns that other people created. I'm no designer. I keep saying it. I've got the design chops of a potato. But if somebody can provide me with things which I think look half decent and I can click a button, use those, tweak them, change them in a way that I am able to do, that's great. And if people wish to contribute those now, I'm delighted. I'll be incredibly grateful for anybody that does. I think this is a really fabulous moment. And again, I'm opening the floor. 
I think it's good for a community. It's an extension like the photo directory. It's the same idea. It it keeps the community around WordPress vibrant and moving together as a whole. So I, I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't know what it, what they're going to be like, the quality of the submissions. Hopefully, there'll be some checks and balances. It certainly sounds like it. But I, I can see me using this as a really, really useful way of getting almost everything I do started in the future. Just go and have a look at some patterns. And even if I don't use them, they'll probably provide me with some um, some kind of Kickstarter, some way of thinking, oh, that's quite nice. I like what they've done there um, and going in that direction. Michelle, Chris, anything on this? So the, the photo directory, is, as Rob mentioned, is moderated by a group of us who are volunteers. And we look at every photo. We have a set of criteria and standards that we have to ha- that has to be met in order for a photo to be approved into the photo directory. And I assume that the block patterns will be the same um, and we'll have that same level of, um, you know, oversight. Michelle, can I just point out at this point that wasn't in your biography? There's yet another thing there that we need to... Gosh, um, I have to add it. I know. It already sounds pretentious uh, enough, doesn't it? (laughs) Mentioned the fact that you're a keen photographer, but not that you're a moderator in there. Uh, Chris? Well, now you know. I've been out. Are you going to use any of this kind of stuff, Chris? What's the... Forgive me. What's the WP Engine? You've got... Is it it Atomic or what's it called now? Genesis. It's become Genesis, hasn't it? Apologies. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't use... This comes back to the types of sites I've built. Weren't using, I mean, most of most, the, a lot of higher ed is still turning off Gutenberg altogether. The ex, the accessibility issues it still has. So it's, and, and my personal side, I'm just using it for writing. So I've disabled block patterns entirely. So it, I don't think much on the block patterns. I'm more excited about the photos. I've actually submitted a couple to the photos site just to participate in it. I, I think that's a good thing, especially after Unsplash, Unsplash had been bought by Getty. Having an, a true open source photo source is a very good thing. So I, I wouldn't trust taking anything from Unsplash over long term. But I, 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 I'm getting too far out of that off block patterns because I, I just don't, I, I really can't say much. If folks are do using you, them and need that, great. Yeah, you say that you sort of disable all that sort of stuff. So do you literally go in and just make it so that none of that stuff is in the UI? You will never be bothered by any kind of UI component which says, okay, you can use block patterns here if you want. You're just shutting it all down. Yeah, okay, that's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, it really helps performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just well, like like Rob was saying, you just sort of wander off down that rabbit hole. I I I can see in the near future those block patterns, that library being somewhere where I could spend a good hour meaninglessly just sort of scrolling. Ooh, look at that shiny. <laughs> you know, just one after another. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, let's move on a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about LearnDash. LearnDash is an LMS, and they've got like a big point release, I think. They've gone to over yes. to version 4.0. We're actually using LearnDash on the, the, the summit that I do, which I'll talk about more a little bit later. And I've held off. Um, updating it. I often do when things go, you know, through a big um, update because I just wanted to see what was changing and if anything, you know, got broken anywhere with anybody else using LearnDash. So, Michelle, I'm going to pass this one over to you. We're on LearnDash 4.0. Do you want to just, if you're able to, are you able to just give us sort of like the the highlight messages? What are the big things that are happening in LearnDash between three point, what was it, 3.6 point something, I think it was, over to four? What's what's the big headline yeah, so item? Learn-dash, 
LearnDash is part of the Stellar um, family of brands, which is um, you know really nice because I'm just starting to use it and learn how to use it myself. I've had some talks with Jack Kittering, who you may be may be familiar with. Um, but yeah, so we've added things like the um, Stripe Connect payment, and uh, there's an onboarding wizard and all kinds of uh, steps that they've taken to make it easier to use and to certainly um, you know make it. It, it, no learning management system is super simple, right? Because there's levels of things that you want to include, things that you want to exclude, whether you're putting in certificates of completion, whether you are um, building in quizzes and all kinds of different things that you can do as far as uh, people taking classes together and all of that. So we've been doing a lot to try to um, streamline things for people and make it a little bit easier to understand how to kind of dive in and get, uh, get started with it quickly. And we're going to have some webinars coming up, yep. which you can see there on those different things as well, which will make it easier for people to, um, to understand how to use it. There's an, there's a, there's an entire ecosystem that's built up around LearnDash. Um, and there are so many different plugin companies who've made um plugins that work alongside of LearnDash to do things differently. So everything we do, you know, just like with WordPress, affects the in the income and the uh, viability of other businesses too. So all of that we keep in mind when we're moving forward. But um, we have a very, very active Facebook community with uh, several thousand, I think 17,000 maybe, um, people in that Facebook. It's a wow. huge Facebook community. Wow. And um, it's just amazing to see what people build with different LMSs, everything from industry to essential oils to you know how does do storytelling and things like that so it's really it's a it's a fun community to be a, a part of and everything we do within learn dash is so that somebody who's building something for how to use essential oils to this is how you you know onboard in your company and those kinds of things um it's applicable to everybody in between. So, yeah, so I'm excited about some of the things that are happening. I think Jack is signed up to be on um, this week in WordPress next month. So he'll be able to answer a lot more questions than I can as one of the developers, but I'm so super got, excited about it. Yeah, we've got four webinars organized for the near future. It looks like March 20. Well, mm -hmm. they're all happening in the next, what is that, next month or so. We've got uh, yes. getting started with the onboarding wizard, streamline onboarding and payments with Stripe Connect. Well, it was nice. Um, mm -hmm. Explore the new Learn-Gutenberg blocks. That would be one that I would want to look at. Create dy dynamic learning paths with challenge exams. So four yes. webinars coming up. Yeah, the challenge exams is new too, so that if, if you, somebody knows the content, they can skip ahead, right? So okay. they don't have to, to do everything. That's what a challenge exam is as opposed to just an exam or quiz. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I confess I haven't updated to 4.0 yet because I'm I'm afraid of things like that. I, just, just I say go for it. it. If you yeah. run into any problems, let me know. I can hook I you know. up. I know, I know, I know. I just wait usually to. I'm like that with WordPress core. I you typically wait like 48 hours when it goes from five to six or six to seven. You know the the normal ones, the, the sort of point releases, uh, not so much, but the the big the big ones, I. Definitely wait and just see. Yeah, what other that's what staging got. is for, Nathan. I know, but I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just can't be bothered to do all of that. So yeah, just just wait is my approach. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about this. Oh, some 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 people in the WordPress space are kind of just almost like superstar status, aren't they? And you know, everybody knows Matt Mullenweg's name, and I'm sure it's fair to say that most people have come across Yoast Volk, who um, who started. Yeah, the Yoast. His his name, despite the fact that it's spelt J O O S T, 
um, is pronounced Yoast. It's, that's hence why we've got the Yoast naming. He started Yoast, I believe, now, let me see if I can find it. Can anybody remember off the top of their head what number he said? I think he said like 12 or 15 years ago or something like yeah, that. Something like that. Yeah, it's a really, you know, it's a long time. For WordPress plugins, they are in every way a success. They're used by millions of people. They constantly hit that number one spot on the repo um, a huge business with lots and lots of success success in the past. And although Yoast himself has had a few different roles more recently, he went over to Automatic for a little while, and I don't think that worked out. And so he went back to Yoast on a, on a different uh, footing. And Marika, his wife, she took over. Well, he's decided he's kind of, whilst the journey with Yoast and Yoast is not over, um, he's said that he essentially he wants to now tackle different things. He doesn't really mention what those things are, but it's pretty clear that it might well be outside of WordPress. He's going to stay on, but he's going to stay on for a pretty a pretty minimal um, one day in every 10. So he's doing a 10% um, phasing out period. I don't, don't know exactly for how long that'll be. But um, yeah, I just wanted to mark... Mark this moment. I was going to say mark the passing of Yoast Devolk, but that sounds really morbid. It wasn't that. It was more to sort of celebrate really one of the pioneers who managed to create a thriving business a long time before most of us thought that there was any money to be made in WordPress. He made a real go of it, made lives a lot easier, put SEO in the complexities of SEO within the reach of a lot of people. And so really it's just just me saying, well done, well done, Yoast. Congratulations. And I hope that those nine days out of 10 that you're spending on nice new things are fun and profitable. Any stories about Yoast? Any tales that you want to tell or just, you know, congratulations? Go for it now. Say congrats. You know, when, when you sell a company, there's typical that vesting period. Most of us who have sold the plug into that don't do it because we want to keep doing the same role. So it sounds like he's finally getting to move on to what he wants to do. So that's yeah. definitely a congrats. Yeah. What does he say? He says, um, da, 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 da. what I'm going to do next, I will stay on board for one day in every two weeks. I will advise on product and SEO strategy. Really looking forward to spend spreading my ideas without having to execute on them all. How nice. How nice to be in the position to sort of like wander in once in every 10 days and sort of, you know, maybe you should try this. And then it's like when you're a grandparent in a way, isn't it? You get to you get to hold the baby and then at the end of the afternoon you get, there you go, it's back to Goodbye. you. I'm Bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And so he just wants to try a different set of things. Curious to see what comes up now, but I when I come up with um, and what I come up with when I don't have to be day-to-day -day at Yoast. So anyway, congrats. Rob, Michelle, anything to add to that? I'm just happy for them. Yeah. I, I am too. There becomes a time when you got to move on to another challenge. So good for him. The inevitable questions, I suppose, will be raised about, you know, who fills those shoes. And the, there is information about this in the post. The There's kind of like a reshuffle going on, but it sounds like um, incumbent people who've been managing the business for a very long time. So it doesn't look like you're entering any period where things are suddenly going to be a bit shaky. We'll, we'll, we'll get Taco on to give us the, the lowdown at some point in the future, and he can tell us exactly how it all fell out. But I imagine this has been thought about for a very long time. So congratulations to Yoast, the person 
and for you know building something amazing and, and being an inspiration and the plugin. Yeah, it's hard to say those things yeah. and get know where you're stepping. Uh, okay, there we go. There we go. Michelle, it's all about Stella this week. I don't quite know what's going on here, but um, the You're pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. You've given a, you've given us a. Actually, I found this. You didn't. You didn't help me find this one. That's There's great. a new free plugin. Um, this is again on the the tavern, but you can find it on WordPress.org. In fact, let me just highlight that it's WordPress.org forward slash plugins donation block for Stripe by GiveWP. Uh, this looks cool. So it's a completely free version, which enables you to create a, a basically a one-click solution if you want to take donations. We actually do that on the WP Builds website, but all I do is I link it to like a sort of gravity form type thing, and things come in that way. But this looks really nice. Justin's really he seems to favor it. He says the implementation of it, he, you know, there's a few little problems later on about the fact that you can't start it in certain ways and so on. But he says it's simple. You click a button, connect your Stripe account, boom, you're in action. Um, mm -hmm. What's the thinking behind this? And does it does it conflict or cheapen the the sort of like the bigger brand, the GiveWP, the full Monty? No, GiveWP has always been free. So the core plugin has always been free. It's always been in the repository. It's the, you know, the additional um, add-ons that have always been premium. Things like, um, you know, uh, recurring donations, uh, ah. the peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, all those things that you see on there. So this is just taking what's always been free and making it easy to, easier to use within the block editor. So and it's, so, pure, it's yeah. just Stripe. And there's no recurring, and so all of the different sort of premium options are not there. It's just here's a one-off donation. Pick a pick an amount, select a predefined amount, and fill out fill out your details and go through a Stripe checkout. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's super simple to implement. Yeah. Um, but you know, but if people do get in there and don't know what they're doing, there's you know they can get help through the forums as well, of course, because as a free plugin, you have people within the forums who are willing to help you. And is this a pop-up then? How does this work? How do we see that? Is that a modal which comes up or is this sort of sitting in a sidebar or something? This do you is, know? Well, it's a, it's a block. So okay. however oh, okay. you structured the block, right? You put that wherever you like. Yeah, nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can find that um, WP Tavern, give WP launches standalone donation form for Stripe. Yeah. Okay. It looks really good. It's like yeah. yeah, it looks really nice. Um, okay, controversy. Let's... Let's throw this one in, Master WP. I think it was, who was it? Somebody, before we click record, saying Master WP is really like doing great work at finding controversies and, and talking about them in an intelligent way. Was it you, Michelle? It was, because yeah. Chris has also been part of the controversy. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, Talking okay. about multi-site, that whole multi-site controversy. Oh, yes. Ago. Was that, we actually featured that a couple of years, a couple of years ago. We were really <laughs> prescient there. Um, we featured that a couple of weeks ago. That was your piece, mm -hmm. was it? Uh, Chris was mentioned, I believe. Oh, okay. I wondered if Chris had written it for, yeah. anyway, this one is Rob Howard. Is WordPress security getting better or worse? We talked last week about patch stacks. Um, report i can't remember what it was called it was called the wordpress security report or something for 2021 and um it had lots of headline statistics um various different bits and pieces that you could pull out of it lots of graphics and so on and we we mentioned a very very briefly what we saw in there um but this week rob howard has sort of taken a different view and essentially he's challenging the, the statistics that patch stack are putting together 
He says essentially that the statistics in his view were kind of sloppily put together. And he, I think it would be fair to characterize his opinion as it's okay to put statistics out there, but when the statistics kind of massage the product that you're trying to sell, then you sort of stray into an area where really possibly you shouldn't be straying into. And so he's asking some questions down here. He wants to know things like how many installs he wants to know how many installs the plugins had without that key information. How do we know if all of these uh, different statistics that they mention are, are actually as serious as they were? How serious were the vulnerabilities? Has the total number of plugins on the market increased and so on and so forth? So essentially he's saying, whilst it was an interesting report, it would be nice to have some sort of background about how those statistics were put together. I've got to, got to confess, when I read something like that, I just take it on face value. I just assume that those kind of things have been done. And I guess that's what his problem is, is that most people will read things like that on face value. And it would be nice to see where the due diligence had come in and what level of detail and statistical analysis was taking place to ensure that it was true. So Rob Howard pushing back against the patch stack report. Anybody want to jump in on this one? Um, I think it's yeah. a fair... Go ahead, Chris. So I think it's a fair criticism. WordPress security gets is such a mixed bag as far as how it's presented. We've seen how many hit pieces. WordPress security is bad, and you know, cite a plugin vulnerability that might have had ten sites compromised, and blame the whole ecosystem for it. But at the same time, we do have a lot of poorly written, you know, especially plugins and themes that still lead to these types of things. So it's interesting mi mixed bag on that. But the statistics do matter and how they're presented do matter. How many actual sites, you know, how many different people have been had a site compromised in the last year? What are the commonalities to those? And it, it's not the same as the year, you know, what, 15 years ago now, give or take, that Tim Thumb. I mean, we've come a long way since that. The market's changed and the, the mm -hmm. vulnerability surface has changed quite significantly in that time. The, I guess... The numbers are hard to pass, aren't they? Because the numbers here are so big. Um, the the guy that wrote the article, Rob, makes an interesting point where in, instead of saying, saying something along, along the lines of WordPress, uh, I don't know, WordPress vulnerabilities up by 150%, the same... The same, this following sentence could equally be true. 0.65% of WordPress sites get an important update. Um, you know... The, the plugin in question here was Updraft Plus, which I must say, having being a user of Updraft Plus, I have seen a flurry of recent updates. I don't know if anybody else uses Updraft Plus. Like, like I do. six or seven updates over the past couple of weeks. Every day, more or less, there's been one. So I don't know if there's something interesting going on there. But um, the, the point is the exact same shocking statistic can be viewed in a different way in the wider WordPress community. And the, suddenly the statistics seem far less uh, inflammatory and a lot more benign. So I guess stuff like that sells though, right? If you put a shocking thing out there, you are very much more likely to be read than if you put some like, uh, nothing important happened in WordPress security this week headline. Mm. <laughs> I guess their business oh. is to sell WordPress security. What was it, uh, Verge or one of them? Somebody had a, you know, WordPress core developers contribute to vulnerability problem or just some completely bullshit headline a few weeks back that made a lot of 
controversy because mm-hmm. it was it was just that it was bullshit. Yeah, it, was, it had no concept at all about how it was written or anything. I remember through through somebody I know they reached back out to the author who tried to defend the headline as well. That, you know, that's what the numbers are and all this and that. And that goes back to Michelle put in our private chat. Three types of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. That is using <laughs> statistics for the biggest of all lies. And it's just yeah. 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 Um, I think it might have been wired that you were thinking of. If it's the if it's wired. the I'm sorry. mentioned yeah. in wired. Yeah, and, and again, I, I can't for the life of me find the original headline, but it was something along the lines of three million installs of WordPress, I don't know, um, software vulnerability or something. And and again, he's he Rob has rewritten that helpfully. Uh, overnight mm. success, high-profile WordPress developer instantly secures 0.3% of sites affected by bog. Okay. <laughs> what you got to re- what you got to remember here is WordPress now has 42, 43% of the marketplace, and once you become controlling a portion of the marketplace, you become a target. And I hate to attribute it to Windows. Everybody complains about Windows. Everybody complains about Patch Tuesday once a month where they put patches out. But most major companies run Windows everywhere. So we got to establish that. And, you know, a lot of my core business is patching security sites for clients. And as I always say to people, you need to become aware of what's going on, but you also need to have a plan to handle it. And the reality of it all is, Nathan, as far as I'm concerned, what really threw this out of whack this year was the mess with formulas a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that really threw everything out of whack because we've never seen one as big as that mess in a long time. But the, but we got we got to keep our heads on here and say, okay, are we doing the right things and why we're doing the right things? And nothing is ever foolproof. And you know, if that were the case, none of us, especially the four of us here on this call, would ever be online if we were that security concerned. We would just say, forget it. I'll shut my laptop down and goodbye. Like, honestly, we're at that point right now. And the mess in the Ukraine is not helping things. So, you know. It, what's curious as well is that the, the article goes on to make a point, which honestly, I hadn't, I never would have joined the dots here, that there's more information possibly than we need. And what, what they mean by that is if you try to, for example, find out what the vulnerabilities were in a typical Shopify or Squarespace website, yeah. that information is is unavailable because, well, presumably they would patch it, hopefully, once that dis- mm-hmm. was discovered, and then speak nothing of it. Uh, just p- patch it in the background. Whereas because there's just a collection of things and, you know, novice users as well as more experienced users might need to have this kind of information and update things themselves, then we do, this information is out in the public domain. I and so it's it, available. I think it needs to be. And you take somebody like Chris, who's moving towards more like an enterprise solution in the enterprise world. Um, von, and I come from that world from a security standpoint. Vulnerabilities get disclosed all the time. Microsoft discloses what vulnerabilities they patched. And I think that's important in certain industries like healthcare, like government, like all kinds of industries where privacy is at stake here with the privacy laws. I don't believe covering up vulnerabilities. And in that article, they even suggested whether a 30-day disclosure policy was enough time. And I truly believe coming from that world, 30 days is ample time. 
So I, that's the issue I take with that article is the whole bit, not whether the statistics are right or wrong. It's the whole concept of disclosure and what is right disclosure and what is wrong. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like anybody's questioning the statistics. They're just questioning the portrayal of the statistics and I think which yeah. statistics rose to the rose to the top, if you like. And 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 I guess that is something of concern. You know, I I, I loved reading that article, and then it was only really when I read this one I thought, oh, that's curious. I didn't realise there would be another angle on that. And anyway, I'm going to be interviewing um, Oliver Sild from Patch Stack, and I'll be sure to. To have this conversation with and, and Nathan, what, what I can tell you is Patch Stack is, I know from my contacts there, is working on a response to that article right oh, now. Oh, great. Yeah. So watch for that. The, it will continue. <laughs> there, there was another conversation around this that sort of developed in the post status. So if you're a member yeah. of post status, you can find this piece. It was called Would WordPress Benefit from Public Relations Messaging Around Security Issues? And so they've obviously taken that conversation on a little bit. You can find that on poststatus.com if that's your bag. Uh, and then another piece of security news. It's been a long time since we've just covered yeah. a couple of bits uh, in the one little episode, but here we go. You've thrown this uh, at me, um, Rob. This is WordFence, another company, rival company to Patchstack. It's called Increased Increase in Malware Sightings on GoDaddy Managed Hosting. What What's the, what's the deal here? So... WordFence did an analysis and said there's been an increase in malware on GoDaddy servers. And we all know in the shared server realm that once one account gets hacked, it is very possible on a server infrastructure to go cross account. So we need to keep that in mind. So I don't think this was a fair assessment on GoDaddy. And I've come out very publicly and said where I stood have stood on this one, as Chris will tell you. I've been very public on this one to the point that I've actually gotten a response from Mark Marauder, which I don't care to get into for the purposes of this conversation. But the point I'm making is you could have taken the name GoDaddy out of that and dropped in Cloudways, dropped in WP Engine, dropped in Newfold, dropped in any shared hosting provider possible. There's only two ways to get around this is one, have shared hosting based on containers, which costs more, or two, as far as I'm concerned, if clients are that concerned about their about shared hosting, spend the money and get some dedicated hosting and dedicated boxes. And that's kind of my theory on that one is, but the problem is the consumer is going after whatever's cheap, cheap, cheap in the hosting game. And this has been an ongoing issue at, and I don't care who the hosting company is, if you go to cheap hosting, you you get you get cheap hosting. And I I actually think there was a bit of industry garbage going on here because for anybody who doesn't know, GoDaddy owns Securi, and I wonder about um, whether this was an attack to say Securi should have done something, which is a paid service. And, I and you know, you pay for what you get. And at the end of the day, website owners have to take care of their own hosting. So they have to take care of things like, did you have a proper password? Did you have 2FA turned on? Did you do regular updates? And by the way, do you have backups? And can you restore those backups? And it keeps coming back to 
WordFence would have been better off serving the community if they educated the customer instead of just throwing stones, in my opinion. Interesting. It's got it's got um it's got aspects of the previous piece in your mind then. There's a there's kind of like there's the piece on the on the surface and yet there's some sort of broader context going on underneath. That's interesting. Yeah. Chris, I'm I, curious to get your thoughts on this actually. Yeah, Chris, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> I Rob, you know, I reached out to you on Twitter saying what was the controversy because Yeah, we had the discussion the headline on that. And you know where I stand. Yeah. yeah, and I still haven't got much past the headline on that one. So I, I'm, I do agree with your posts so, or your your comments here on responsive Thank disclosure. You. There is an issue. I think of, yeah, you know, there's there's a site out there plugin vulnerabilities or whatever that it, yeah. it's just so irresponsible. I mean, they made a point of being irresponsible. On the flip side, WordFence, in my experience, has always been very good at the responsible disclosure. They've been like the anticipation. The, the antithesis of, uh, or the opposite of like the plugin vulnerabilities. So it's, yeah, I don't want to comment on that because I haven't read the whole article, but I yeah. think that this responsible disclosure in WordPress as a whole is a problem. Mm -hmm. And this blanketist thing, especially as more hosts by security companies, I think we're going to see a lot more attacks for that type of thing. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think part of the problem with is compounded word fences approach here and i'm surmising so this is my opinion they just recently jumped into the wordpress care plan security side of things from a business perspective and when i look at it and that was after saying to all us agency developers in that space by the way buy our agency licenses so you could run your care plan security business and they've now in the last two months jumped into that business so i think what we're seeing is a bad attempt at marketing their service in all this one and i think you know i have a saying and that's kind of who do you serve and how do you serve them and how do you help them and why not just help people and reap the rewards from helping people and i don't think this kind of writing is the way to do that i just mm -hmm. I really don't. And I, I've taken some heat from it. Um, it started in the LinkedIn group I manage. I co-managed with Courtney Robertson last Friday. And then it jumped into one of my clients actually publicly tweeting at me uh, Friday afternoon, saying Friday morning, saying, what's going on with this? I want an answer and I want a public answer. So wow. I kind of I didn't have much of a choice but to to jump my head into the ring and oh know. interesting okay i've taken yeah. i've taken heat right from word fence on this too but okay oh, they're not very happy <laughs> okay okay all right well let's see how this story develops keep your eye on rob Cairn's twitter feed uh, to see to see how this develops. No, <laughs> two, two interesting stories about uh, yeah. security news this week with some sort of you know with a bit of a an underlying story going on in the background as well. That's quite nice. This is I, I love. There are there are a few websites on the internet which I really 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 like. There's some that I like, and there's a few that I just cherish and think are just amazing. And one of them. Uh, is CSS Tricks by this Chris cool. Coyer. The This website has been going, as far as I can work out, since like just the, the dawn of CSS. As soon as I jumped ship and got off tables, oh, uh, remember those days, um, and got into starting to do CSS, Chris began this whole project. He's a, he, he was, I don't know if he still is, but with Jeff Starr, he was a big WordPress user. They had their 
oh, I can't even remember what it was called now. They had their WordPress manual that you could buy for like 15 bucks or something, and it would get you started with all the all the WordPress things. It was absolutely fabulous. Anyway, if you if you search for almost anything to do with CSS, the chances are that the top article will be something on Chris's website, CSS Tricks. And he either wrote it himself or more recently he's had other people helping him out. I think they I think he said they get something like 15 million views a month or something. I mean it's just breathtakingly large. That that number I could have made up by the way. That could be another number from some sort of meteorological site that I viewed or some sort of astronomy site or something. But um anyway, huge property and he's decided it's time to to call it a day. Um that is to say he's selling it to DigitalOcean which again just kind of felt right to me. I, I like DigitalOcean. I like the products that they produce, and I like CSS tricks. So hopefully nothing's going to change, um, but just another well done, really. We were talking about Yoast earlier. This is, my, this is my little message to Chris to say congratulations. Thanks for all the service and all the, all the things that I learned from you. I mean, honestly, some of those articles are like thousands of words long, and they're about the most tiny bit of CSS you know, that I couldn't summon 10 sentences on, but he manages to do example after example after example of how you might deploy this and how it would work. The guy's enthusiasm for CSS is astonishing, and he's helped me out a great deal and probably millions of people out there as well. So there we go. I, I am, Yeah, Chris raised his hand. Um, not Chris Coyer, by the way. Uh, Chris, <laughs> here, Chris. Um, have you got anything on that, Chris? You've been a big user of this. Does this... Is this cool with you? Uh, You're happy to see Chris moving on like this? Oh, um, yeah, and all along. You know, this goes with kind of like the Yoast thing, right? It's mm. somebody moves on and gets to do more of what they want to do. So congratulations. I was surprised at the digital ocean. That did not seem like, like I would have like I would have gone, okay, this makes sense had it been automatic or something a little more with all the design work going on around WordPress core would have made more sense to me. Yes. Digital ocean is such in, you know, it's infrastructure as a service. So it's not you, if you want to have something, but you could host things on there that have no design at all. They're just CLI apps type thing. So that part to me was kind of funny. But uh, I, I think it's great. It'll hopefully, you know, WP Engine bought WP Daily years ago, and it still carries on to this day as Torque. So hopefully so we'll say, see this, let's, do the same. Just yeah, on. let's imagine that my number of 15 million, which I'm sure is an exaggeration, but, but it, I remember reading the number recently, and it was a big number. Maybe that's just the point, right? You just, I mean, look at the website now, right next to the logo. I should put, put it back on the screen. Right next to the logo is CSS Tricks powered by, it says pa powered? Is that what it says? I can't read that. It's too small. Powered by DigitalOcean. So maybe that's all it is. They're just buying a tiny bit of advertising real estate for probably a really quite a decent one-off one -off fee. Maybe that's all there is to it. I think it's one of the things I took. Somebody told me on Flywheel too. Say again. <laughs> I think it's actually hosted on Flywheel. Somewhere. <laughs> on Maybe it's not anymore. <laughs> I heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Let me click that. See where it ends up. Let's give it a go. Oh, it just goes to goes to some articles about optimizing CSV patterns. What? CS tricks is anyway. I don't know. That's kind of weird. I clicked on the logo and I ended up at the CSS Tricks main website, not this article. Yeah, very strange. 
Michelle, sorry, I interrupted. No, that's okay. I was just going to say that my biggest takeaway is that I'm not creating content that anybody wants to buy and I need to change that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine, can you imagine that like the, 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 like the self justification of this over the years, there must've been long, hard stairs where, you know, right at the beginning, especially where there was probably very little traction. It's CSS, for goodness sake. How many people are using CSS? And 15 years ago, it probably wasn't millions like now. But he's got articles that he just must have done. And, it, you know, comments now come in the hundreds each time a piece, a new piece of content comes out. But I'm sure for the longest time, it was fairly quiet in there. But he kept going at it and kept going at it. And this is this is the thing. So, yeah, Michelle... I don't know yeah. what the what the new direction would be for you, but yeah, some, something which <laughs> I don't you can see flogging in fifteen years. I'm super happy for Chris, and I think that he deserves it for sure. Um, yeah. you know, wish him every success and happiness. I'm going to be, cha be chatting with him um, in about two weeks' time, all about this and yes. why he's decided to do it. So that'll be really nice. Get his get his get his opinion on it. Um, how much time have we got left? We've got about 10 minutes, so I'm just going to very quickly flick through some things very, very, very quickly. I haven't figured out how to even deploy this yet, but um, Search Engine Journal are talking about the fact that Cloudflare have now got a free fire, uh, sorry, free WAF, Web Application Firewall, um, totally free. I don't know what the constraints are or the limitations, but just FYI, if you're on a free Cloudflare plan, you can now um, hopefully make use of that. I poked around for five minutes. I couldn't see how to kickstart it or make it happen. I could see the UI for where it might live, but it felt like coming soon, the language that they were using. But that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know if this has been in the offing for ages or if this world situation vis-a-vis -vis the Ukraine or something has maybe brought this forward. I don't really know. Anyway, there's that. And a bit of self-promotion. Sorry, if you are into page builders like I am, then the Page Builder Summit version 4 is coming around 20th to the 24th of June 2022. If you go to pagebuildersummit.com, you can join our wait list and we'll keep you updated. Um, uh, yeah, glad to say that in the past we've had companies just like WP Engine and just like Nexus who've helped us out. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll put another smashing event on PageBuildersummit.com. I'm already on the waiting list for this. Me too. Me too. Nice, <laughs> nice. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna ask Chris. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's like... all right. I, I get the feeling that you're not a page builder user somehow. So something tells me that. You know, I've been a, I had a, one of my biggest tweets in the last month was I've been in WordPress for 12 plus years. I had to edit a site with Elementor. Oh, did I fail at that? Yeah, I saw that <laughs> wasn't tweet. happening. <laughs> you what, see, it's was it WordPress by any chance? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Get a pro, Chris. fascinating, though, because this is such a curious part of the community, isn't it? In that there's just this broad swathe of people who've jumped on board, especially with Elementor over the last, I don't know, three or four years, it would appear that if you chart the graphs, that the last four years of WordPresses as a whole rise can be more or less bound to Elementor, just Elementor. And and so there's this swathe of people jumping in and loving all that. And then there's, then there's Chris and all of the people, much like him, it's like, I don't want anything to do with that weirdness. Just keep it out of me. Just keep hey. it away. I've never said that. Elementor in particular and all these page builders have a, are very much tools that if you need them are great. 
Yeah, but when you're I talking love, enterprise type, type sites, it's not something yeah. you use. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I love it all, which is why me and Anshin are putting on the summit. So pagebuildersummit.com. I would hope so. <laughs> Go and sign up. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, we'll miss that one out. I'm going to go for my picks of the week. I don't know if um, everybody's got one, but I'll put the ones that I've got so far. Right, just a couple of things before we finish. This is utterly nothing to do with WordPress. This is the fact that somebody... I, I just love stuff like this. I love stuff which is potentially game-changing. I saw a fabulous tool invented by... A, not a tool, a little box. It looks like an Amazon Echo the other day, invented by a teenager, which, and I think they're an American teenager... And this little kid has figured out the exact frequency of light, the exact frequency of light, which mosquitoes cannot resist. And you put this thing, this little Amazon Echo thing, self-powered in the middle of a swamp. You come back like an hour later and it's full of mosquitoes. They reckon 99% of mosquitoes within a certain radius will just commit suicide in the face of this glorious light that they can't resist. So again, wonderful. And this sits within that. It's life-changing. There's a device on the screen. It looks like a pyramid. It's a pyramid made of glass. Inside the pyramid made of glass is a tube which you fill with water. Guess what happens? The water heats up when the sun shines and you get nice hot water. How much does it cost? Nothing. It costs you want pennies to buy the device, and then forevermore, assuming it's not trampled on, you've got hot water. It, it's brilliant, and it's got nothing to do with anything, but I just thought that was an absolutely brilliant piece of kit. I love this kind of stuff, so sorry. Uh, Rob's obviously found that he didn't like that because he's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my bit. I'm going to move us over to this bit, which... As with all American um, government websites, I find impossible to read because the text is too small. Uh, look at that. Look at that. I mean, is it me or is that too small? Chris, why are we looking at this? The Department of Justice. Justice Department well, issues web accessibility guidance under the Americans with Disabilities Act. There was a big story years ago with Domino's Pizza and a big accessibility fight on, uh, as to whether or not their pizza tracker was accessible. Uh, and it made big news. There's been all kinds of one-off things we've seen about accessibility, universities being sued, this being sued, that being sued because their sites aren't accessible, but there's never been a direct tie of accessibility back to the major U.S. accessibility law, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act. This is the first time the Justice Department is actually tying the two together, accessibility and the ADA, and it's a huge move for accessibility. Considering how much of the global internet is controlled by U.S. interests, this is a very big deal and a very good thing for 20 to 30% of all people on the planet who can't use a website for whatever reason. So is it mandating things that were never mandated before? Does it shift the landscape in some way where you will know what you're falling foul of? Whereas before, was it more of a, a sort of an honor system? What's the, what's the, what's the deal here really? There was the way I understand it. I'm not a lawyer. So please take anything I say with a grain of salt is there's never been a direct correlation that that, a, that you can sue, that you can use the ADA to actually go after accessibility issues. So if somebody makes a pizza site that isn't accessible, can you actually use the ADA to go after them in national 
courts instead of state courts and things like that. This is the first time we've made that connection. Now, whether this is WCAG2, you know, what standard they apply to this, I don't have an answer to that yet. I haven't been able to go that deeply. It was just such a win to see that the Justice Department starting to come out and say, hey, yeah, ADA applies to the web where so much of America and so much of the world does its business that I think this is a very good thing for the internet. Yeah, I mean, sure is. There's there's almost nobody that's not touched by the internet now. I mean, maybe there's a handful of people who are holding out and really deliberately not trying to connect to the internet. But basically, everybody is connected to the internet. If you've got a pulse, the chances are you're using the internet fairly frequently. And all of this kind of stuff, I guess, is the evolution of the internet. And yeah, nice, nice move. Do you watch this stuff closely then? Not as much as I'd like, only because mm. I don't do, like, nobody wants me touching CSS or design of anything. <laughs> so nobody wants me making a UI. I don't get to follow it as much as I would because I just don't write that kind of code that I could break it that badly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can find this um, on justice.gov and it's called Justice Department Issues Web Accessibility Guidance Under the Americans with Disabilities Act was published a couple of days ago, 18th of March, 2022. And a corollary to that, I'm guessing we're putting, um, we're putting Heather Burns on the screen because of the connection. Uh, don't know, What's, is there a connection here? Web Dev Law. Different, different connection. This goes back into, uh, I, I think I gave you, if you scroll down, I think this is a deeper link in her blog. Yeah, this talks about, oh, a quick take on the pretty terrifying changes to the online safety bill. You had some U U.S. politics there, and then this one's more U.K. politics. This online safety bill and its potential, you know, we talk about segmenting the web like China's done with its great firewall, and they have their own internet. Now Russia's trying to do. Now the U.K. is very much trying to do the same type of thing, only it's even scarier in some ways. Things like all encryption, you know, like SSL is bad. Yeah. And Heather goes into much more nuance in this, you know, things like if you host content, you are responsible for policing the content, whatever content the Tories, the conservative party in the UK finds offensive, you're, that's your problem to figure out what they find offensive and police it. That's your expense to do that. There's a lot of crazy that this type of law, if it goes into effect, can yeah, I, well I, be on UK's borders. Yeah, I, I really sort of struggle with this a lot because on the one hand, I can see the harm that um, that having everything free on the internet it can do. So an, a great example, I suppose, would be like just the abuse that can happen, happen on social networks to people who are totally vulnerable and, and just assume that what they're being fed uh, is true. You know, children in particular who there's just... People pile in and bully them. On the other hand, we have a history, much like the United States, of being able to kind of speak your mind and say what you like. And the internet is an extension of that. And up until now, it's felt that we can say what we like and, you know, you live and die by the consequences. But it's especially in the current environment with, you know, what's been going on for the, the in, in the more recent past, I think this is being looked at by legislators again. And I do not envy them. Because whichever way they go, they're going to be absolutely hauled over the coals. If they go for the sort of you know libertarian kind of argument where anybody can say anything, they're going to get pushed back. And if they if they bind us to certain things which we don't want to be bound by, they're going to be hauled over the coals. So legislators, you go for it. That's yours. I don't want anything to do with that. 
But I would like to think the internet would be... Sorry, go on. I'm sorry. One big thing to keep in mind with all that that you're saying, think about what Heather's said for years. WordPress, 42% of the internet has never, has just flat out refused to take a seat to protect the users. You know, the sites that we were talking about from page builders, how much of this episode has been dictated or dedicated to sites owned by one or two people? Imagine all those one or two people having to police their own content and all this yes. and that. Because WordPress just simply refuses to take a position on something that it can aff- that's going to affect it. And that's, I think, what's so scary about something like this. Yeah. Regardless of beyond, you know, we could get, we do a whole nother episode, I'm sure, with, with Heather on, on deep into these laws. But remember, this is WordPress and WordPress refuse that they're not taking a stand, which is very much taking a stand that's going to be in favor of whatever the hell these people want to pass. I'm going to, because we're out of time, I'm sorry, we probably can't debate this anymore, but Web Dev Law um, is Heather's website. And this article was published on the 18th of March. And it is called, what is it called? A quick take. It's it's in the left column. Yeah, yeah, a quick take on three pretty terrifying changes to the online safety bill. Um, Maybe this is going to be for debate. Maybe maybe Chris, I'll try and get you and Heather on a call and we can, uh, we can discuss it at greater length that could be really nice have i done all the the bits and pieces that you all threw at me did i miss anybody's quirky stuff i put one last pick of the week in the private chat and it is instagram it's a pick of the week okay what are we looking at here this an am i going to the right website instagram am i allowed to use website allow essential and optional cookies okay whatever i'll do essential cookies Hey, oh. it's a deer. I took that photo yesterday. That That's is my pick of the week. <laughs> Can I just ask, honestly, yeah. you post pictures of like big wildlife quite a bit. You know, there's lots yes. of like birds of prey. And where, like, do you just open your door and you're in the Serengeti or something? What's going on? Um, do you it's have all to? With, go it's for- all within thir- no, it's all within 30 minutes of my home. Um, I can That's see nice. deer not in my own personal neighborhood very often because I live in the middle of a village, but I don't have to go very far to, uh, to get deer and eagles and all kinds of different things. So, yeah. But that, anyway, cool. that one was the, funny. They were looking right at me. They were about uh, that to was the thing I was going to say, what are the chances of you getting one just staring right down the barrel of your, of your camera? That is super cool. Isn't yeah. it? That's the, the yeah, and I guess if you're, if I'm not really into photography, but I try to take pictures of any wildlife that I, and basically all I ever get is them running in the opposite direction. So I get the rear end of the creature, whatever it may be, but to have one just staring at you. Very nice. Yeah. You must've been chuffed with that. I'm Snow White. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice thing about digital photography as well as you get that immediate, Oh, I got it. Whereas when I was a kid and we had to develop everything with film, you know, you got your 36 reel or your 24 reel, you could be mm-hmm. like a whole week until you got that blurred image back. Oh, yeah. what a disappointment, the deer. Missed it it yeah. was there, but I can't see it on the picture. Okay, that's all we've got time for. Sorry, we've overrun. I apologize. Thank you for, for Chris and for Rob and for Michelle for joining us this week. We'll be back next week. I don't know. can't remember off the top of my head who is on. But um, right, Chris and Rob and Michelle, we have to do this thing at the end of every episode. We all have to wave simultaneously, if you don't mind, so that I can get, yeah, there we go. That's it. That's all we needed, just so that I can get that little bit and put it on the featured image. Thank you so much for watching. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week. Take it easy. Bye.